You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Carr. If you want more football content in your life, join Locked On NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak for recaps and analysis of the 2021 NFL Draft and take a look ahead at next year's future first-round picks. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Friday, May 7th, and of course, it is another Gonzaga 5-Star Friday. Not only does the basketball team bring in five-star recruits, but we here at Locked On Zags have a bunch of five-star listeners. For those new to the show, every Friday, I read a story from a Gonzaga fan about their journey supporting the program. The last three weeks, we've had a story from a 1993 graduate, and then we've had two other stories from people who live hundreds and hundreds of miles away and have never even been to Spokane but still support the school. Today, it's going to be a local guy, Josh Boone, who you've probably seen very active in the Gonzaga social media community. But the other goal uh, with Gonzaga Five Star Friday is obviously to get as many five-star ratings as possible. So if you would, please head over to the podcast page if you're listening on Apple Pods and give us five stars. If you want to send your story to be heard on the air, there's three ways to do it. First is to leave it as a review for the podcast after you leave a rating. The second way is to direct message me on Twitter at scargo, at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. And the third way, which has been the most popular, is to email the story, lockedonzags at gmail.com. The prompt is pretty easy. Why do you love Gonzaga? How did you start rooting for them? And simply put, what does Gonzaga mean to you? They can be as long as they want, as short as you want. They can be funny. They can be sentimental. Whatever you like, please send them in to me and I will read them on the show. Today's story, like I said, is from Josh, and here is what he has to say. I have been a diehard Zag fan since 1998. I grew up and live in Kettle Falls, Washington. Hoop Fest is one of my favorite events every year. I've played in it for 23 straight years now. The first time I watched Gonzaga, I was at varsity basketball practice learning from coaches about GU, and then I fell in love. Richie Fromm was my first favorite Zag. I had some of my best friends from high school go to Gonzaga in the early and mid-2000s, so I was lucky enough to go to the old kennel and watch games and perhaps a little partying afterwards. I've been on this storybook run watching this entire university grow into a powerhouse. Me and my friends meet up every year in Las Vegas for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament and have some fun. We've been doing this the last seven or eight years now. Some of my favorite Zags ever are Matt Santangelo, Tony Skinner, Sam Dower, Rem Backmus, and my boy Zach Norvell. I'm a diehard Gonzaga fan for life. Josh also sent me a bunch of pictures from over the years from those Las Vegas trips, which look like a whole lot of fun. But he also sent me some pictures from his Gonzaga man cave, where he's got some really, really awesome stuff, including a super cool jersey collection. Uh, Obviously some... Gonzaga NBA jerseys were in there. There was a John Stockton Team USA jersey. That was pretty cool. A couple Roni Turioff and Zach Norvell Gonzaga jerseys. But my favorite one that was in there was a Shemek Karnowski Poland jersey. So shout out to Josh Boone for sharing his story with me, sharing all the photos with me. Uh, it was kind of an awesome looking room that he's got set up there. We are always looking for more stories. 
Obviously, the photos are an added bonus, but not necessary. But we're always looking for more stories, so feel free to send them in to be read on the show. Like I said, there's three ways to do so. Okay, coming up on the rest of the show, we're going to get to some news and notes, including an event coming up this weekend. It uh, includes Paulo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren on opposite teams. And then we're going to finish the show looking back at this week in Gonzaga history. The Bulldogs received four different commitments during this week over the last decade. So we're going to take a look back on all of them today on the podcast. But first, a minute to talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the first pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKED ON. Okay, let's get to some news and notes from around Gonzaga on Thursday. First and foremost, the Gonzaga San Diego baseball series that got canceled because of COVID in Gonzaga's program has been rescheduled, which is awesome. They're going to play three games at Gonzaga, May 27, 28, and 29. And that very, very well could determine the WCC champion. And like I said, the WCC champion in the regular season will get the auto bid into the NCAA tournament regionals. Gonzaga and San Diego are tied at 14-4 and atop the WCC right now, followed by San Francisco and Portland. Gonzaga finishes the season with three games at Portland, Three games versus San Francisco and three games versus San Diego. So all three of the top teams in the WCC. So Gonzaga is going to come out of COVID pause and get right into a grind stretch of nine huge games to end the season. The latest bracketology still has them as a number two seed in the Eugene region. So they're pretty comfortably in the field, um, but uh, a good strong showing here at the end of the regular season and winning a WCC championship will certainly help that cause as well. And then on the basketball front, the Iverson Classic is taking place this weekend. It is a uh, basically a high school showcase event, and both Hunter Salas and Chet Holmgren are participating in it. They had their first practice yesterday, and so what they do is tonight, Friday night, there is a, a bunch of events that happen, including a dunk contest, three-on-three games, uh, a three-point shootout, and, and some other stuff. And then the actual All-American High School game itself is going to be played on May 8th on Saturday. I don't believe that there's a place to stream the event. But what they are doing is Showtime is creating exclusive content around the event, including a short-form documentary. And there's also a bunch of NBA scouts and writers and stuff that are at the event. They had a practice on Thursday, and one of the the writers that's out there right now said that Chet Holmgren and Paulo Bancaro, who are on opposite teams, just went absolutely at each other all practice long. So it's kind of a uh, preview to what uh, could be happening here on Black Friday when Gonzaga takes on Duke. Sticking with basketball here, uh, Sam Vecini, who I think is arguably the best uh, NBA mock draft person to follow, released his first uh, post-NCAA tournament mock draft. And he has Jalen Suggs going number two overall to his hometown Minnesota Timberwolves, which would be 
Super, super cool. He's got Corey Kispert going number 20 to the Houston Rockets, which is where Kelly Olenek currently plays. Sam mentions that he is much higher on Corey Kispert in his uh, draft board, but other teams are concerned about his you know, lateral quickness and ability to defend, and that may drop him down into the low teens, but he admits that anywhere between 10 and 20 would not be shocking. So it'll be interesting to see where Corey Kispert actually ends up. And then Joel Yai was mocked to go number 37 overall, the number seven pick in the second round to Sacramento. And then Philip Petrushev, number 52 overall, the number 22 pick in the second round to New Orleans. The NBA draft this year is coming up on July 29th. The draft lottery is going to be held June 22nd, and the NBA draft combine is going to be June 21st through June 27th. And the NCAA officially confirmed today that the withdrawal date, if you put your name into the NBA draft, you must withdraw by July 7th. And so that could mean something if Drew Timmy were to enter his name into the draft. Uh, The last day that he could return is July 7th. And then a couple other things around college basketball. Number one is Matt Harms, the WCC Defensive Player of the Year at BYU, has decided that he is not going to come back to Provo next season. His college career is officially over, as is Brandon Averett, who is the starting point guard for BYU. So now they just await word on Alex Barcelo. And all indications have been pointing towards Barcelo likely coming back, but nothing has been confirmed at all yet. If he does, that's obviously a nice get for them. Because like I've said on this podcast before, their guard play currently on the roster is very, very, very minimal. So they're going to need Alex Barcelo. If they don't get him, they're going to need to get multiple transfer guards in the portal. They've struck out on several so far. They struck out again, uh, I believe, two days ago on Isaiah Brockington, who went to Iowa State. So we'll see and await word on Alex Barcelo. And then the last thing here is that the NCAA Rules Committee is discussing a couple rule proposals. There's a bunch of minor stuff that probably won't pass, and if it does, you know, not a whole lot's going to change. But the two things that are major uh, that everybody seems to be talking about are the change to quarters instead of halves, and then six fouls instead of five. And the six fouls instead of five rule, there's also a bunch of contingency plans within that um, that could be just very, very confusing. I'm okay with five fouls in college basketball. There's six fouls in the NBA because it's 48 minutes. There's five fouls in college basketball because it's 40 minutes. It all works out mathematically, but I would enjoy a sixth foul if a game goes to overtime. I think that makes a lot of sense. I do think that referees need to figure out exactly what a charge and what a block is because a lot of players pick up charging and offensive fouls that aren't offensive fouls. So if they clean that up, I don't think there'll be a whole lot of foul trouble issues that there has been in the past. The other one, I love uh, halves in college basketball. I do not want them to go to quarters. I didn't like when the uh, college basketball decided to go to quarters in the women's game. The biggest thing if you go to quarters is that you eliminate the one-and-one. And And I think the one-and-one should be in every level of basketball. I think it adds a completely different dynamic to games. Automatically getting two shots all the time is not necessary. Um, And if if they go to quarters... After the fifth foul in each quarter, it's automatically two shots every single time. So um, I don't think anything is going to change. If anything does, I think it's going to be the quarter rule, and they'll they'll do four quarters of 10 
uh, as opposed to two 20-minute halves. I hope they don't because I don't want that to happen. Um, but we'll see what happens here over the next uh, couple days. I think they're supposed to have an announcement either sometime Friday or Monday or Tuesday at the latest. I'm not sure what the timeline is on that. But we'll see what happens with the new rules and the proposals that they're voting on in the NCAA Rules Committee. Okay, coming up, we're going to end the show by taking a look back at this week in Gonzaga history. The Zags, they've gotten four commitments on this week over the last decade. If you don't know who they are, you've got about two minutes to come up with any guesses. Two of them ended up becoming teammates on the 2017 National Championship team. So we're going to take a look back here in just a second uh, on all four of those commitments. But first, I've got to talk about Built Bar. On Wednesday night, I ordered a custom 18-pack of Built Bars. So you get three flavors, six of each, and I went with cookies and cream, salted caramel, and peanut butter brownie. I've not had the peanut butter brownie or the salted caramel yet, so I'm very excited to get those in the mail here in the coming days. Of course, Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. It's even perfect for keto diets. There are over 20 amazing flavors, including the ones that I mentioned, plus peanut butter, banana bread, caramel brownie, and many others. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health-conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Some people have said that the best way to eat Built Bars are to chop them into pieces and put them in the freezer so you can have a little freezer snack. I have not tried that yet, but I think that's a great idea. The Cookies and Cream Bar, for example, has 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Finish the show today with some This Week in Gonzaga History. And we start 2012. May 2nd, 2012, Shemek Karnowski commits to Gonzaga. All he did was send out a tweet, and it said, In the next season, I will play in a Zags uni. And he played five years in a Gonzaga uniform. He ended up becoming the winningest player in the history of the NCAA. His career was a wild one. His freshman season was as a part of the first ever number one team in Gonzaga history with uh, Kelly Olenek. In the 2012-2013 season, he was more of a role player than anything else. And then once Kelly Olenek graduated, Shemar Karnowski moved into the starting lineup as a sophomore. He ended up averaging a career high 25 and a half minutes a game. He also had a career high in rebounds with seven rebounds and had 10 and a half points. And I think everybody at that point uh, knew that this kid was going to be something special. And then his junior year, he helped lead Gonzaga along with a senior Kevin Pangos, a senior Gary Bell, and a freshman Sabonis, and a transfer in Kyle Wilcher, a really, really good group of basketball players. And they ended up making the Elite Eight for the first time since 1999. And then his his uh, senior, what was supposed to be a senior season, he just had back problems and something was up. And he just, by the time he ended up getting surgery, he couldn't do anything. Like he couldn't walk without crutches. He could barely get out of bed in the morning. There was something going on. And so he had some major back surgery that everybody thought would end not just his Gonzaga career, but his basketball career in general. He was not supposed to do any kind of strenuous activity for at least 10 months after the operation. Somehow he started running again seven months after the operation. And because of the operation, and he ended up having another infection uh, after uh, undergoing the procedure as well, 
He ended up losing about 60 pounds. And so for him to be running seven months after the surgery was crazy. Uh, he ended up getting a medical red shirt. He worked with Gonzaga's training staff uh, on a regimen to basically not do anything outside of practice and games. And somehow he got back and played some of his best basketball of his entire career as a uh, fifth-year senior for that 16-17 squad. And without him, probably unlikely that that, that team gets to uh, the national championship. He averaged a career-high uh, 12.2 points. He had uh, just about six rebounds, and then he also had two assists. He was one of the best passing big men that Gonzaga has ever seen. So an incredible for career for Shemek Karnowski. He ended up going and playing overseas, but he's had a bunch of injuries since he's been over there and hasn't been able to play a whole lot. But that'll never take away what he was able to accomplish at Gonzaga. We move ahead to the next day, May 3rd, and we go to 2015, where Shemek Karnowski's future teammate, Nigel Williams-Goss, commits to Gonzaga, May 3rd, 2015. And he said when he committed, quote, I feel that their track record of winning at a high level, developing players during their redshirt year, and their up-tempo offense that includes a ton of ball screens is an overall good fit for me. And boy, was that true. Nigel came in as a two-year player at the University of Washington, where he averaged 15.5 points, five rebounds, and six assists. And he was a second-team All-Pac-12 player. He redshirted that uh, 2015-16 season that required some late uh, WCC tournament heroics just to make the NCAA tournament. And then he stepped in and became the starting point guard or starting two guard, whatever you want to say. He started alongside Josh Perkins in that 16-17 season, and he was the best player on the team. And at the time, he was probably... Uh, he was arguably the best leader Gonzaga had ever had as well. He became the leading rebounder for any guard in Gonzaga history, averaging six rebounds a game. That has since been broken by uh, Joel Yai twice. Uh, but he averaged 17 points, six rebounds, and almost five assists and two steals per contest, which is just wild numbers. Obviously, he led Gonzaga to that national championship. Is part of one of the best defensive teams uh, over the last decade or so. Certainly the best defensive team in Gonzaga history. He was the WCC Player of the Year in 2017. He was a finalist for the Wooden Award. He was a consensus second team All-American. He made the all-tournament team in the NCAA tournament. He made the uh, all-regional team. I mean, he had arguably the biggest impact of any player who only played one season at Gonzaga. I think you can include Jalen Suggs in that debate now. But before him, I think Nigel Williams-Goss was the winner uh, of that award. So an incredible one season for Nigel Williams-Goss. Like I mentioned yesterday, he's been tearing it up overseas over the last couple of months, which should shock nobody because his ability to read ball screens is at an absolute elite level. Okay, we move ahead one year in time. Nigel Williams-Goss was May 3rd, 2015. And on May 4th, 2016, Corey Kispert commits to Gonzaga. Gonzaga beat out Notre Dame and Virginia, who both play in the ACC, but Gonzaga's non-conference schedule did not go unnoticed. Corey Kispert talked about it after he committed. He said, quote, no matter 
One way you look at it, the WCC is a mid-major. It's not one of the Power Five conferences or whatever. And so in order to make up for what they lack a little bit in the conference play, you got to play really good teams outside your conference, and Gonzaga loads up the out-of-conference schedule. And it's huge for me to really see them working hard to get these players' games against some really high-level, elite NBA-level athletes in teams outside of their conference. It might be a lot of work, but it's impactful, and it's definitely worth it. Kispert ended up playing a lot of those NBA-level athletes, and after four years, he himself became an NBA-level athlete. We've talked a lot about Corey Kispert over the last two months, so I don't need to go through his entire career again, but he is out of... There's a wild stat that goes around. I don't know exactly what the number of games is, but for anybody who's played like 100-plus games or something, Corey Kispert has the best winning percentage of any player in the history of college basketball. The kid's a winner. He's going to slot in on an NBA team right away, uh, and we'll see what that what team that is coming up here in a couple of months. But he really is the epitome of a zag, and his career arc of just developing and getting better each and every season is something certainly to be commended. So we've got a commitment from Karnowski on May 2nd, Nigel Williams-Goss on May 3rd, Corey Kispert on May 4th, and now May 5th, 2019, Admon Gilder commits to Gonzaga, the Texas A&M graduate transfer, decided that he wanted to play at Gonzaga for his final season. It really came down to Gonzaga and three schools who were much closer to his home in Texas Tech, Southern Methodist, and Texas Christian. But he chose to come to Gonzaga, and what he said when choosing Gonzaga was, quote, just the same values that I have for myself and my family, Coach Few has for the entire program. It felt like a family when I was there. And boy, does that ring true for every recruit who has come through this program. Gilder started the first nine games of that season in the 2019-2020 before Joel Yai ended up taking that starting spot after some nagging injuries to Gilder. But Gilder ended up becoming one of their lockdown defenders by the end of the season, and he hit some huge three-point shots for them. He ended up becoming kind of the Jordan Ford stopper. They would put Admon Gilder on Jordan Ford in the second half, so he would essentially deny him the basketball in that 2020 season, and he had a, a huge impact both in the uh, game at home against St. Mary's where he stopped Jordan Ford in the second half, and then he did it again in the WCC championship game. So it was only one season in Spokane, and unfortunately it ended with a pandemic uh, ruining the NCAA tournament, but Admon Gilder still a uh, very meaningful one season at Gonzaga. And both he and Ryan Woolridge were actually at the Final Four. So it was super cool to see the two of them who became close in their one season at Gonzaga supporting the squad at the uh, the Final Four and the National Championship. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed a little bit of reminiscing on the past. Next week, we are going to start a new series, kind of like what we did with the player reviews where we got something every single day. And I want you guys to tell me which one of these you would prefer. Would you rather me go through each season individually from 1999 until 2021 and rank them over the next four weeks from worst to best seasons of all time? Or would you rather me go through each of the last 22 recruiting classes? So basically all of Mark Few's recruiting classes Rank all of those uh, over the next four weeks from worst to best. Tweet me at scargo, at S-K-A-R-G-0, or you could tweet the show at Locked on Zags and tell me which one of those you would like to hear more about. 
Don't forget you can tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a review with your Gonzaga story. I will read them every Friday on the show just like I did today. And because it is Five Star Friday, please leave us a five-star review. You can follow me on Twitter at Escargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions or ideas you have for me, you can do so, LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. We will see you back here Monday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.